Okay, so this is a song taken from the first album that I released called uh, Man Like I, and this is Coloured Souls. Sometimes we jump the train fare to get to where we're going. Sometimes we're hooded up and so you hear the sirens start blowing. You're locked up or knock your girl up just to find a place to stay. House prices rising, wages stay the same as how it is today. Trying to find their places See how this place is Forgot about these youths they created Thank you so, so much for joining us It's an absolute honour to have you tuning in To the first ever Other Side podcast We want to be bringing these out weekly on iTunes to you Interviewing the most amazing politicians Actors, artists, musicians, everything Producers, anyone who is of interest to you Will be of interest to us And we will do our best to bring them to you In the meantime, we start at one off With the platinum selling artist Natty He's had number one albums all around the world And it was an absolute honour to sit down And talk with him for a couple of hours I started off the interview by asking him what was his earliest and most exciting childhood musical memory. I remember, I think, one of my first most exciting moments in music was probably Paul Simon Graceland. Because as a kid, when you're like three, four, mm-hmm. five, and you hear that kind of, because it's a very upbeat, joyful album, and the playing is wicked. Yeah. I remember that, and then I remember after that just being like, yeah, Jimi Hendrix blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I remember Jimi Hendrix, he was a big Jimi fan. And um, who was playing Jimi, your mum or your dad? My dad, this is all, I'm, st- I'm sticking with my dad's music okay. now. And then, right, okay. and then my mum's music was like, so my, my dad's music was more like um, um, classic 60s stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Bits of reggae, bits of this, bits of that, but mainly like just kind of good songwriter, yeah, yeah. guitar-based stuff. And then my mum was more like soul stuff, um, lots of soul music actually. Um, from whatever Minnie Ripperton to Etta James to Nina Simone and all this kind of stuff and so that was a whole nother world of singing singers actually proper singers because mm. it's like when you listen to Bob Dylan sing when I first heard it I thought it was rubbish yeah, yeah. I can't stand this man's <laughs> voice but 
then after a while, it was like, oh my dad, why did you listen to this guy? And then Neil Young as well. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what is up? Well, Neil Young sounds crazy, doesn't he? First time you hear him. First time you hear yeah. Neil Young as a kid, after listening to whatever, Etta James, yeah, and yeah, yeah. like uh, Bob Marley. Yeah, this guy singers. can't really even sing in tune. It's like, who is this yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, Neil Young is now one of my, you know. Yeah, he's awesome. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, I love him still. Yeah, so do I. And then, yeah, I hit puberty, and then it was jungle, garage, hip hop, yeah. all the more like localized urban kind of stuff and did you ever try and sort of create that music yourself which music any garage music hip-hop oh yeah 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 so when i was 15 yeah that was part of the trajectory we're just jumping around a little bit of my mm-hmm. childhood nickel piece but um so yeah when i was about 15 i was like i was making beats i was making hip-hop beats i started off trying to do little but before that actually i used to just bunk off school um you know miss dynamite yeah yeah and couple people so I grew up in the same area yeah so she was like two years older than me and I remember she was like an MC on the local station along with like another few people I just spunk off school and just spend time in this pirate garage station that's stuff so like that oh, that's cool and then I was making hip-hop beats mm-hmm. when I was 15 16 yeah 15 16 I was just making beats for like local cats you're obviously a quick learner because you obviously mastered the art of that quite quickly Mm. And then also, you know, you go on to work for this studio. Initially, they hire you as a sort of, I don't, you know, want to say the word, but kind of T-boy, was it? Yeah, of course. And which cool. studio was that? It's a studio called Sphere Studios. Right, okay. It's like, um, yeah, it was actually one of the top studios. But yeah, my first session was, my first session on the day when they let me in the room was Duran Duran, produced by Nile Rogers, And that's, that was day that's one. That's funky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was day one. And then it was, yeah, like, so it was all very, very high end stuff. And so were they, was Nile Rogers sort of asking you to go get stuff from him? And yeah, yeah, me and Nile Rogers became friends. Really? Yeah, it was cool. But how many other black people are going to be in the studio where you got to pay like two grand yeah, a day? True, to, yeah. Like, so he sees <laughs> yeah. me there yeah, and yeah. I was like, hey, how you doing, man? <laughs> Come here, bro. And so it was like, we'd be watching like whatever. Did, did you learn a lot of all the musicians you yeah, came? I learned, I learned loads. I don't know anyone my age who's cut tape. Me, I've cut tape. Yeah. Like, properly under pressure and you've got you know Glyn Johns right yeah yeah so I sat to Glyn Johns a few times and he would be um, basically if you don't do things exactly the way they're supposed to be done you get told about it with Glyn Johns because he doesn't fuck around no. you know he doesn't mess around sorry for the interview but oh no no you, no, it's you can swear it's yeah. you can swear you can swear cool 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 yeah and so I don't know anyone as well. For example, I'm lining up tape machines. I've got to make sure it's right. If he wants me to set, to take the right part, we've got to use the mid lathe from the drums from this take to the I t- drop that into this. I've got to go into the back room, cut the tape, put that there, grab the other tape. I don't know anyone my age who's done that. I know people fifty who's done that. Yeah. But we were the type of studio where it's like we could do anything. If you were old school. We got tape, we got everything for you. If you want to do Pro Tools, we got everything for you. There was nothing that they didn't have. Basically, Jamie T asked me to produce his first album and my studio wouldn't let me do it without like a lot of money. And he was on a development deal at the time, so the guy didn't have a lot. Are you, are you still close with Jamie T or did you never? Oh, it's you, you just got to wait till I finish the story. Sorry, 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 my bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and so with Jamie it was a thing where it didn't work out 
within me producing his record. So I was working with a band called Larrick and Love and they were Jamie T's friends. And basically with Larrick and Love, it was like they come in and they weren't ready. So the record label got really pissed at me because I, I basically made the drummer and the bass player play in a room together for three hours straight to learn how to play together because they weren't <laughs> playing together. Yeah. And they were playing at different time signatures at times. Meanwhile, while they're doing that, Jamie T is like, oh, I've got da, 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 da. Oh, like, wait, da, da. this is a bit different. I was like, yeah, they got to learn how to fucking play, don't they? <laughs> so we're just going to sit here for a couple of hours while they learn how to play their instruments. And the label didn't like that at all. Like, like who is this kid telling, we've just signed yeah, this, yeah. this band and now you're going to tell us. Meanwhile, Jamie plays me a couple of his little demos. I'm like, that's fucking wicked. Da, 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 da. That's sick. Da, da, da. I was like, oh, really? You like him? Da, da, da. I was like, yeah, I like him. Come back next week and we'll talk. So we come in the next week and we talk and da, 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 da. And he's like, anyway, he goes off. I get a call like six months later saying, yo, Nat, you're the only one who produced in me, who would believed in my music, blah, blah, blah. I'd love you to produce my record, da, 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 da. So I'm like, yeah, I'm on it. My studio is like, okay, but we need to be paid this much a day for when you're absent and da, 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 da. And I'm just like, no, you can't do that. No. I'm like, I quit. He's like, you can't quit, you're in the middle of a session. I was in the middle of another session at the time. So you have to at least wait till that's, and that was like a two month session. So basically I ended up quitting and missing out on Jamie T's gig oh, at the same time. That's <laughs> awful. But, lose, lose. Yeah, but it was win-win. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was like, you know what? F these guys. Yeah, yeah. I was getting sick and tired of all of these razor like wannabes. Cause as soon as he says, engineered by yeah, da, yeah. Da, 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 razor like. All these bands want you to, Hundreds of bands who don't want to pay the producer price of John Cornfield. Yeah, yeah, they're just gonna call me up, and so all the A and R's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just lots and lots of just shoddy bands coming through. So it was a blessing in disguise. I stopped working with all these rubbish bands. Not rubbish, but yeah, let me yeah. say bands that couldn't play yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they they weren't just, ready. They just weren't ready yet. Yeah. So rubbish. And they were trying to probably just mimic the sounds of Razorlight. A lot of essentially. It. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it. And because it was, if you remember, what was it? It was the Strokes. Yeah. Then it was like Libertines and Razorlight. And yeah. then it was just like a succession of lots of yeah, other yeah. bands. Yeah. So in all of that stuff, I probably worked with, I don't know how many. Yeah. Bored to my teeth, sitting up, putting it down again. You end up leaving your job yep. uh, from the studio. Yeah, and then came back to North London. Came back to North London. Yeah, and started what? playing open mics. Right, so immediately, you, st- you, you no. weren't actually, I reckon I can do a better job than most of these bloody guys. I've been... Well, I was actually doing a few of my own songs on the slide. Right, okay. Right? So in the downtime, because obviously I was creative anyway, so mm-hmm. I'd be making my own stuff. Was that guitar based? Maybe it's just whatever based. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not so much guitar based, no, right. actually. Good question. Um, I might put a few guitar lines in there, but yeah. I wasn't really playing like that. You know, it was more like keys and programming and mm-hmm. cutting up bits. And yeah, yeah. I remember I was working on a film score and I took the orchestra bit from her and just put it in a beat and I was working on it and then the the composer come back in again and I thought he was gonna like rip into me for taking a shit and he was like you did this with my with my score fuck. and I was like oh fuck <laughs> and then he was like this is amazing <laughs> and I was like whew yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> like he was like oh and he's like and he's like okay do you mind if I was like yeah this is brilliant <laughs> all this stuff so he was just gassed that his yeah. score was getting made into what sounded like a hip-hop yeah yeah kind of thing, that's you know? awesome. and loads of stuff you know i remember working on something and i remember nick rhodes popping and said natty what are you doing and i was like oh i'm just making some music play it again it sounds quite good <laughs> that's how he speaks yeah, yeah. um 
Yeah, so I'd always be just downtime. I'd be sleeping in the studio sometimes. So I had songs. And then there was a producer who ended up producing my first record. His name is Johnny Dollar. He had a production in there. He produced my album with another guy, Craig Dodds, who had also had a production in there. So they just heard some of my stuff and I was like, wow, this stuff is really good. Da, 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 da. I, I ended up starting a group with one of them. Didn't got offered a development deal by Island Records and I was like, turn it down. Cause I'm like, you know what? Like, I know I'm more than this a little piece than being almost like a puppet. Yeah. Felt kind of vibration. Sure. And was this sort of pre, I'm trying to think, it was obviously pre like MySpace and all these things. Where it you was could, MySpace. It was MySpace? No, it was MySpace time. Right, okay. MySpace was popping off those times. Okay. Yeah. So you put all your stuff up in MySpace? So, no, no, no. Uh, I, before that, I didn't... Because I knew that some of these songs were really good songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... You didn't want to sort of... Stoned On You was already written. Right. July was already written. Um, and how, how old are you at this time? 22, 23. Okay. And so Stoned On You, July, you're just saying, were these written on guitar originally? No, nah, they were no. written to beats. Right. Like, we're just programming beats and stuff like that. And, you know, I had a little thing. I wrote that with... Craig Dodds, I wrote those two songs with Craig Dodds. Those two songs I wrote with him. Yeah, that was it. The rest of it, I think I wrote myself on that album. But um, yeah, I just started playing the songs. Like even Coloured Souls, that yeah, was a programmed beat. Bedroom Minds, that was a punk song. Really? Yeah, where well, that was guitar based, it was like. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, you know what? I can't picture that. Just because, yeah, you know, it, it's yeah. so pure now. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just have that sort of acoustic guitar. It was, yeah, it was pretty mad. So anyway, what I ended up doing was I, I looked at all of these songs. I was like, how am I going to play them? I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to do some open mics. So I went and borrowed a friend's guitar, tried to figure out some basic chords to July and try and move it around a bit because it was one of them ones. And then I Coloured Souls, did the same thing. It took me ages to figure out how to play Coloured Souls correctly. Because it was nothing like what it is now. Yeah, I'm still trying to master how to cover it. I won't embarrass myself by showing it to you. So I'll show but, you later. Yeah, you yeah mate, please. Yeah, no problem. And then how long is the period of time between, you know, you starting to putting these songs on open mics, playing them at open mic nights to Atlantic, uh, when they start coming calling? With so I left the studio 23, moved back to my mum's house 20... And then I step on an open mic, and I remember it was about it was about four four months, about three or four months. I started playing that summer. Moved back in the early part of the year. Played my first open mic in like June, July, around them times there, and then by like September, I remember there was like people asking about me, in terms of just because like it was cool. Everywhere I went, it was just like it was just like electric. It was like, rah, how come you're not signed yet? Or, rah, this is a bit good. Or, mm. can you play, can you come back and do another show? Can you come back? And it was just always that. And it was like, okay, right, I'm onto something here now. And were you gigging sort of every night? Every night. Every night? Yeah. yeah. Well, like at least three, four nights in a week. Yeah. I was, I would find, and then you start to build a little following and yeah. you're like, rah, yeah, when's, when's next? Where are you playing the next one, man? Da, 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 da. Can you play again? And it was just like, there was just a little buzz happening around. And, and from that, did you feel that you could take this into your own career? I always knew I could. Okay, okay. I always knew I could. Okay. Because I, I saw people doing it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, fruit. I've had to tune Robbie Williams' vocals before. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, yeah. If, if this guy can yeah, do it, like, yeah. I know you, what you I'm... You've had to polish a turd. 
you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. I know what this music thing is about, and I know the songs that I'm sitting on as well. In terms, I'm already, I'm already sitting on Vegemite, Stoned On You, Coloured Souls, July. They was all written, and Great I kind of know that. Great I, I kind of know that I'm gonna be alright. It's oh, just mate, about. Yeah. And and did you feel the engineering sort of helped you? Like the fact that you didn't go straight into playing guitar music, but you went from producing and helping people out. Do you, do you feel that helped yourself? Like I think it helped music? and inhibited. Okay. Sometimes when you know too much, it's a problem. Mm. Okay, okay. Yeah. So sometimes I could read certain energies of what's going on. Remember, mm. I'd be the guy in the room when the manager is talking to the A and R man and the producer with the artist outside, and he's gone. And yeah. I'm just that guy making teas, yeah. listening to them bitch about him or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. or say something yeah. or say how they're going to take what he's done and do something else with it. Yeah. And then they say something else to his face. I'm the guy who just keeps still. And yeah. that's not. You, you sort of knew what was behind the mask. You understand what yeah. I'm saying. So sometimes when you know a little bit too much, yeah. it can be inhibiting, but then also at the same time, it can be empowering. And so you finish sort of, well, I don't know where you were playing exactly, but you finish one of these open mic nights and you're sort of thanking your following which you've built up over the last, uh, well, over that summer period. Mm. And, you know, you're feeling fantastic. You've probably got some very good looking girls coming up to you. You know, you're a young guy and you're loving life. And then suddenly you probably see a grey haired guy in a suit or something in the background and he comes up to you and he turns out to be A&R from Atlantic. No. No. <laughs> that's our picture. But, it, but it, was, it was very romantic and yeah. uh, it was a nice picture. It was more like, because, you know, people got lives. Yeah. They, they don't follow me every single where I'm no, no, and no. stuff like that and it wasn't da, da, da. but it got to a stage where it was like by the time it hit August people couldn't get into the room because mm. it was like the way that the music industry works is that they work like packs and they work like sheep as well so Atlantic were definitely not the first people to come and see me you know no. it was a thing where it was like they was probably they were just the realist yeah, yeah. and they, they they were the one who first put a contract down but there was a point where you couldn't get in a room because it was literally the whole music industry was there to see me like 40 50 a and r's in a room and what do these guys look like the same they yeah. look the same yeah even the women in them they look the same yeah, yeah. but you know what they look like man. yeah yeah I yeah i mean they all I look know. you know some of them are cool yeah yeah some of them are not cool but when you're standing on the stage and they're most of them are saying the same stuff they kind of all start to blend but the good thing about atlantic records was is that and why I signed for them is, is that while all these people were saying like our oh, meetings and all this kind of stuff and da 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 and all these bits and pieces, it was like Atlantic were like, rah, I like you. And then they just, I was supporting Lee Perry at Jazz Cafe. Mm -hmm. So this was fast forward a few months. Yeah. So August, what I was saying to you earlier, yeah. Yeah. was when all the industry people started coming. First there was three, yeah. then there was five, then yeah. there was like 50. And it was okay. like literally a and you, you held it out to wait for the right deal, which was Atlantic. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Okay. Because I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a, a team to, that a label yeah. could buy into. Because yeah, when yeah. a label sign you, they need a manager and a lawyer yeah. and all this stuff. That's what they're signing as well as the artists. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Was it some of the acts like the Rolling Stones who were tied to um, Atlantic Records? Were there any acts that you looked at? ABBA, obviously not ABBA, but they have some proper big names at Atlantic Records. Were there any ones who were currently with Atlantic Records which sort of made you want to join them? Or was it just the... No, relative what made them? me want to join Atlantic was the work. Max Lusada, who ran Atlantic Records at the time, yeah. come into my dressing room as I was in Jazz Cafe yeah. and said to, gave me this speech about all of the artists 
on Atlantic Records. Yeah. And he just pulled out a contract and said, I'd like you to sign for Atlantic Records. Da, 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 da. And I was like, you know what? I kind of rate that. Yeah. You know? Because all the other guys are bringing me to meetings and yeah, yeah. they want me to just tra- trape up and down London. So, have you ever. I had one guy say to me, and I even. He used to work for Island Records. I don't even mind saying it. He used to work for Island Records. And he said to me, something like, do you know how it's going to feel your mother driving past and your name on the billboard? So, some some <laughs> bullshit so like cheesy, this. Yeah. And I was just like, and I, and I responded to him something like, what does it feel? Anyway, my response had the words cocaine and BMWs in it. <laughs> and so he knew that I was yeah. actually giving him straight fire and yeah. I was about to leave kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just really offended by my response. And yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm not into this shit. No, no, man. no. Fuck it. Exactly. And then my lawyer, who I had a lawyer that my manager, my lawyer became my manager. And then we just started working the thing. Atlantic come in, boom, put the contract down. Yeah. And then I said to my lawyer, yo, if you're on it, if you want to manage me, that'd be great, you know, we just go and do this and we did it. And how quick is that process from signing that contract uh, until they go, look, you know, it's great to have you on board, but we want to get an album out? Uh, they did it with me straight away. They moved me way too fast down the conveyor yeah. belt. Right. There was no development time. There was no bid it in with the PR and the media people so people can get to know you. It was just like, the summer's coming soon. Yeah. This is a summer album. Play a jiggy jiggy summer summer. And I was like, come so on, they, man. So they sort of rushed you into the studio. Yeah, two weeks we recorded the whole album. Really? Yeah, that's and, what I was saying earlier. Two and weeks. so do you wish? It, it, so in the second album, were there songs which you originally wanted on the first album, which you? No, 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 no. I've written so many songs. Do you do you wish you developed those songs further? The first ones, no. Yeah. I'm proud of my first album. It's in, it's an incredible album. Yeah, I'm proud of it. Yeah. I, I just. If I was given the time to do it again, I'd have probably done it differently, but no regrets. Oh, yeah, it's a great album. Yeah. And did you decide what went on that album? Or yeah. was there someone from Atlantic sitting there alongside you being like, to be honest, mate, I don't think July should go in there? Or something like there that? There was. Like, I had a bunch of songs which, to be honest, looking back on it, were a little more urban sounding. Mm-hmm. And a little bit like, for example, like, more towards like last night and bad man yeah, yeah but like going a bit further mm-hmm. towards more urban sound and stuff there was more of that which kind of got taken out i had to fight to get bun down his place on the album and that one was a hard fight because you know but then yeah it was lots of struggles like bad man they wouldn't want to release it as a single such a good song man. but it was like it went number one when it was released in japan yeah but you couldn't release it here because it was too african sounding was the words that they used the drums yeah, I don't think it's African sounding at all. Yeah. You said that the drums were too African sounding. I was like, I can't believe this. But it, it, it then got turned into a music video. You got a music video. Did it? Did I it, put it as a music video yeah. because because Japan requested it. Because like oh, okay. I said, it went number one in Japan. That's yeah. incredible. And so it was like, well, you guys messed up, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, after well, the album's released, it gets into the top twenty. You get number ones all around the world. You do like a European tour. You go out to Japan, mm-hmm. uh, tour the UK, and. Um, I remember from a personal point of view, I just finished my GCSEs and we were having a party uh, somewhere in, in Kent and, um, you know, we were all dancing away and then Bedroom Eyes came on. And for some reason, I don't know how, but the album had escaped me for a couple of weeks from its initial release. But everybody at the party knew, you know, word for word, Bedroom Eyes. Um, and all, you felt like the other one out. Yeah, but all the, you know, I was hearing a beautiful song and then I was also hearing, you know, Everyone just singing along. It's it's a perfect you know sing along song too, 
And I was actually watching a video earlier, and I did mention it to you before we started recording, how bedroom eyes is one where you just play, all you have to do is play that first chord. And then, you know, you barely get a word in edgeways the whole bloody song, because everyone in the crowd is singing it back to you. Yeah. I mean, I remember, even though you obviously weren't there, but we listened to it through speakers 2008, but, you know, all these beautiful girls standing around me were singing bedroom eyes, and I was just like, fucking hell. Firstly, you know, the motive of the song's amazing. Secondly, the music's fantastic. And then I remember the next day. But thirdly, and most importantly, all the beautiful girls are singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I get with one of them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think I did get with one of them actually towards the outro. We should probably talk about the fact that you come back from this big tour. Uh, you've just toured Man Like I, and you're famous. You know, you've you've gone from sort of making other people famous almost by mm. basically doing the hard work for them um, and making sure that they sound great, and then now writing pure, you know, pure music and putting out an amazing first album, you're famous. You're getting money, you're getting girls. I mean, what the hell's that like? You, you know, you go so quickly, you said it yourself. You know, it, it seems throughout your career you've been um, doing things in a quarter of the time as most people would do. Them. And it's the same with your music. You've yeah. gone from, you know, a summer of playing open mics to fame. It was actually one of the most depressing times of my life. Really? Really? <laughs> really? Seriously? Really? Yeah, it was. It was actually, I can't remember being as depressed as I was. Really? Really? Just after my album came out. Really? Yeah. How come? Behind the scenes, so much happens. Yeah. And, for example, Bedroom Eyes. Yeah. It wasn't the correct version that went on the album. Really? Yeah. I would like to hear the, the original. Yeah. The correct, no, no, you, yeah. you, you wouldn't, it's fine. It's, it's, uh, not, it's not different. different. Uh, it was just the wrong bass line. Okay. And did you experience like some weird moments with fans in terms of like all these girls trying to? Because I suppose you can never tell. Those, those were actually alright. I actually didn't mind it. I've, right. I've had girls in the front row crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff no, of course. Michael Jackson stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This isn't real. But I make just music. That's I don't make this music. Why are you not crying? Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. Yeah, I've had that stuff. And not just for like say bye bye or like a sad no, song. No, I just no. mean like hy hysteria crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that stuff was a bit weird. And then you get random proposals of yeah. doing things to you and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. as a young boy, you're like, or a young man, you're like, rah, yeah, yeah. Thing, what's going on here kind of thing. I can imagine. But then it's like, all of that stuff is fine if you're having fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah? But if you're alone, yeah, and if you feel like you're alone in, in like a big world where everyone wants something from yeah. you and all you want to do is just give something prove yourself in the most purest way and all you're about is music mm -hmm. which i was obviously distractions and stuff like yeah, that yeah. like any young whatever. Yeah, but yeah then it was it was actually a strange time you know yeah and so i spent the next and then the album the label said they wanted to re-strike the album with like a new single and i was like why you just signed me because you like all of my songs yeah you said you couldn't even choose which single to put out now you want new songs, leave me alone. Yeah. So for the next two years I was just warring with the label. Straight, literally straight up. You know why? I didn't even tell you why. The guy who signed me left the label two months before the album came out. Really? Or two weeks even, or something like that. And so I was there on the label with no a and And as you know from other stories, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's like the worst place to be for of any course. artist. And then after that, me and my manager broke because I was like, yo, you're working for them. Yeah, for yeah, me. yeah. And then, so literally, on your own kind of vibes. And what, well, did they say, look, first album did really, really well, let's get a second album going? Or was there I any pressure like that? I thought it was going to get dropped. Really? The first album just kept selling. Because they pulled back all the promo money, everything they stopped, 
but the album just kept selling yeah. because of stories like what you just told me yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff and it's like one person plays it to another person plays it to another and they couldn't and it was like they thought it was going to tank at like 6,000 records and they ended up selling like 70,000 records or yeah. whatever it was with no promo can I ask two questions my, my first right. question is so how long is it from the first album being finished you've done your touring do you start going I need to start writing a second album or did you choose to leave it I think I wrote about three second albums Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. it was just waiting for, to be able to release it. Or? That kind of stuff. And also yeah. not being happy with it. Yeah. So anything with, with, with Atlantic where I compromised. Yeah. They wanted me to start writing with songwriters and stuff. And I was really against it. Yeah. And then that was another part. When I was saying to you, I was actually feeling a little bit alone in the quite yeah. strange, play, strange place. Yeah. It was partly because they were putting me in these different songwriters. Yeah, yeah. And all this stuff. And it was like, I'm going around. And I was like, but I can write songs, man. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. Just give me a little bit of time and budget and I'll get you an album. But no, it was that. And then I had like a semi-album from that. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not releasing that. It's, yeah. it's rubbish. Yeah. There are some songs on there which probably would have been big hits, but rubbish. Um, then there was the next album, which was nearly getting... And that ended up becoming the Out of Fire mixtape, yeah. which I put out 2012. Yeah. Um, and then the third incarn... And third incarnation of the album is what turned out to be released the fifth. You were in a really dark place after you released this first album. Do you find, I mean, I'm not putting... Backtrack, backtrack. Yeah. It was great because it was yeah. out and it was great. Everything yeah. was cool. But then the backlash off of it and all the pressures coming yeah. from that yeah. ended up yeah. putting me in a dark space. But my, so I give thanks for putting it yeah, out, yeah. just so we clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my, 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 my question is, yeah. do you find that when you then go into a room and it's just you and a guitar... It's the most therapeutic and healing process that you can possibly. No, no, not at those no. times. Okay. Then times I need to because. Did you just need to get away from it? Is that? Yeah, yeah, I didn't even really like playing so much. Really. Because. Everything that I was playing, imagine that everything that you record, you know, is owned by someone else. Even if I'm recording a demo on my phone as I'm playing, because I only play to rap. I don't play for my own healing. Like I play yeah. to rap to get this stuff out of me. Yeah. Yeah. But if everything that you get out is owned by someone else and they're going to put restraints on it and constraints on it. Yeah. You're going to keep creating stuff for these people to come and, yeah. nah, he's going to get these things in your head, mm. which is why I say I was in a little bit of a strange place and I had to just kind of come out of the country for a bit. I remember seeing you, um, must have been when you released that EP. Uh, I saw you at Brixton Gem. Okay. And we were. I went with a couple of mates, and we ended up being wrestled out the the venue because we were smoking part like you know front row, thinking we were sort of part of the band. Um, I think I think we were the rebels. Yeah, part of the rebel shit. Yeah, but we were actually carried out um, quite aggressively during the last song, luckily, so we didn't miss much. Uh, you know, much of the show. But I remember like that was an amazing show. But it was like majoritively man like I, and then you had I think going back to Africa. Um, which actually, the live version you perform, I, I, you know, just personally, I prefer I did to like the recorded one. Well, the mixtape. Yeah, sorry, the mixtape. The yeah. mixtape was, basically it was a bunch of demos. Yeah, yeah. That I didn't get no budget for, that I just kind of polished and put out. Yeah, yeah. So, Africa. Yeah, yeah. How I do a lot of my songs, I program a few demos and stuff like that, and then I'll take it to the band and then we record it live together. Yeah. So we didn't get that far with Africa. No, no, no. So even with songs like Africa, um, at some point, I've got a bunch of just songs which are parked up, which are like 
more straight reggae sound yeah, yeah. I'll probably fling Africa in that yeah, yeah. and maybe do a collaboration reggae project yeah because the live version is fantastic but also mate to be fair the recorder version because you did a music video for that didn't you yes and that's doing pretty well I must say yeah yeah, it's cool yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a decent song people yeah, yeah. like it but I'm with you the live version is better yeah it's cool yeah. but I remember it's like leaving that gig um, thinking fuck that you know that was amazing I think that was the first maybe the second time we've seen you but then also thinking like fuck I hope it brings out an album you know because you've done maybe an EP before that as well yeah. in between and we just kind of like fuck like, I hope you put a body before. together again yeah, yeah, yeah. and then suddenly the news you know maybe a year and a half two years later came that you know um, Release the Fear was coming and the first song when I heard God, because you also did something we, are they called the Ragged Twins is that what yeah. they're called yeah around here and, around here and that was a bit more kind of hip hoppy, right? Well, again, it was a song which, yeah, you know, it's a funny time in my life. There's a lot of people pulling and pushing me in certain directions and stuff because I was still on Atlantic those times. Yeah, yeah. And so it started off as like just a vibes in song. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, let's go down this road. So it's a program beat. It's not supposed sure. to be program stuff. No, no, no. It was supposed to be like just similar to Badman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was going to be the feel of that song, yeah. if you understand what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the demo of it is going to sound a little bit more urban style yeah, yeah. because of the program style. And then because of that, well, you might as well get a couple of Jungle Cats in, Ragga Twins and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's great working with them. But it, it kind of confused a lot of my audience a little bit. But I remember when that new, uh, well, first time I heard Guy, I was just like, fuck, yes. Like, he's, he's going for this, but yeah. <laughs> like, this is epic. I found it very surprising when you brought you initially brought the second album out on iTunes, but not on Apple Music or Spotify at first. Yeah. Was that was that a deliberate decision? Were you against like free streaming services, or was that? Just... Um, yeah. I just I was going I wanted to release it on vinyl. Yeah. But I couldn't raise. I actually. Probably did, well, you know, it's just it's hard being an independent artist sometimes. Yeah, you don't realize all the different costs and stuff. Yeah. But basically, what, what I wanted to do is I wanted to release it, and because I'd spent a lot of time, money, blood, yeah. sweat, and tears making yeah. it, built my own studio, yeah. recorded it in that studio, done all these kind of bits to make the album, and so much went into it. Then to put it out for free was yeah. a little bit like maybe we should wait a bit. Yeah, so I thought I'd put it out and then I'll put it out on vinyl, and then we put it on vinyl, we'll put it on Spotify as well. Yeah. But then, couldn't raise the money for the vinyl because it's a lot of money yeah. to put out on vinyl. Yeah. And so I'm still waiting to put it out on Spotify. Okay. I'm gonna put it out on Spotify soon. Because I was, I was, I was trying to get your vinyl and I couldn't find Bar Gaia. I couldn't find any, There's and no that's such vinyl. a shame because I'm the vibe artist. of your music, I know. it needs to it be needs on a vinyl. I agree with you 100%. But when it's all on you, yeah, and you got bills to pay and etc etc I don't want to go that yeah. da, 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 get the violins out yeah. and stuff yeah, yeah. but then you've got to start prioritising yeah of course and being like yo am I going to sell all of these vinyls because yeah. that's like a yeah. Yeah, so a good few yeah, thousand yeah. pounds yeah, yeah, and yeah, also yeah, yeah. merchandise you, you need more merch more like t-shirts and stuff so I get, I've got merch I'm just not good with the promo my friend okay
there, my darling. Whoa, there, my child. Listen to my story with an open heart and mind. You are the best of me. They say I'm strong, but I've been weak. I've done some things you won't believe I've been living blind but I'm trying to see I'm sorry for my life, my life of crime I'm sorry for my time on the devil's side Sacrifice, but I chose this life and I'll pay the price. Show me love now and I'll choose it. Help save my soul, I have sinned. your super fan and that happened I felt when I saw that I I obviously never knew of her or about her but it really sort of showed that you are more than a musician I don't know if you accept that yourself but you actually do touch on people like my brother and people around the world even Japan does that feel like you have a response like a response 100% and 100% um, you then played at her funeral in Ireland Uh and is that what it's all about at the end of the day? Music? 
more than money, more than anything, yeah, just about 100%. touching people. It's all about healing. Yeah. You know, this music thing has the power to heal. And a lot of people don't realize the power of healing and the power of vibrational healing. Yeah. Yeah, because music is just vibrations. And so anyone, you know, an acupuncturist, a sound therapist, a, even the fucking radio therapist that they do when they think that they're healing people, it's all just vibrational frequencies. And so all of this stuff, what I'm doing, the amount, the amount of, there's that one there, but do you know how many people have come up to me since Release the Fear and have told me that they were about to commit suicide? Seriously. Yeah. Like more than five people I've had. And my album was released yeah. just last year. Yeah. And I've had people come up to me there. One woman come up to me at the Nottingham show. And I remember the Nottingham. I remember it like she come up to me and she goes to me, Natty, I just want you to know I had a date. I broke my will. I'd said goodbye to my people. I packed up all my stuff and da 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 da. And then I heard Release the Fear. And so my point that I'm trying to make is, is that I understand the responsibility which is why I can go eight years without putting out a record until, mm -hmm. it, until I make it right, yes. until it has to be right. And I don't even focus on if the promotion is right. I just focus on if the music is right. Because yeah. if it saves five people, yeah. I'm ha I'm, that's what it's about for me. You kind of hit, hit it, the nail on the yeah. head that it's all about the music and what that comes from and what that does for yeah. people. It's got nothing to do with industry. And I think that's been... Yeah. The thread of this interview for a lot of the yeah. which sure. is that yeah. I don't really know industry even now I'm getting done by my accountant for god knows how many thousands of pounds I don't really care yeah. no. and stuff I should care because yeah. <laughs> my children have to eat yeah. but like, I just care about music yeah. and about the healing have you ever thought about doing a just a live album like obviously now more than ever your shows are incredible in mm. terms of like the way you change yeah I'd love to like, I just need the right I'd love if you release that like 12 minute version of Release the Fit, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the album, on the album is 10 minutes long, Release yeah, yeah. the Fit. No, know? I know, I know. But um, but it, it, it doesn't get as like... It doesn't go, we don't go as no. many places. Yeah, yeah. But what I was going to say is when we first recorded it, it was 17 minutes long. Really? Cut it down to 10 minutes. But it was a 17 minute long song and it was pretty deep. Kind of Pink Floyd-esque. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty deep where we went and stuff. But I just tried to take the best bits. Yeah, the yeah. 17 minutes on the album means that, you know, not a lot of people have time for that. And mm. my mum, for one, she was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, you're sitting in the car. What do you feel when a, a song like something by Ed Sheeran comes on? Do you feel <laughs> anger towards the industry? <laughs> because it is so, like, artificial and, like, written by someone else, produced by someone else. I don't mind that stuff, you know. Really? Billie Holiday is one of my favourite artists. Okay. She didn't even write half of her songs. No. But Ed Sheeran, though. Like, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, or like Justin Bieber or whoever it is. Yeah. It's a shame Ed Sheeran is considered such trash now. No, okay. his first album was because, incredible. I thought, personally. Yeah? Okay. I, okay, cool. But yeah. I just think uh, the second and third album are just what's everything that's wrong with pop music. Basically, yeah. yeah. I kind of hit the nail. I mean, I'm, yeah. I used to know Ed very well. He used to follow me, not follow me, but he used to be in like front row pretty much all of my shows. That's cool. And even to a point where I remember getting phone calls saying, yo man, I see this kid, man. He's like biting your style, man. I see him do these three or four. And I was like, no, nah, man, no, nah, man, he's not, he can't be. And then when I met him, I was like, no, he's not biting my style. He's enhancing the style. 
and he's doing his own thing. Mm. Actually, come in, Ed, that's not bad. So I put yeah. on a couple of vibes and pressure shows, yeah. little bits and pieces and stuff, but I didn't really... But so, the energy wasn't right. To be fair to him, when he first came about, he was yeah. kind of the first person, well, who I was seeing around London, kind of really milking that uh, loop pedal and doing yeah. all that kind of shit. Do you know what I mean? He was doing it all right. Yeah, well, he was, yeah. to be fair. He and then good, he kind he of, what he did. but that's the problem. If you, you know, you just get corrupted, you know, you luckily managed to get out of that trap. Yeah. I know. But look, he's getting people who are hearing his music. Yeah. And true. he's making maybe not yeah. the best music. Yeah. But I he's making, like making good music. He's making hundreds of millions. Though. Yeah. yeah. I see. Would you, would you say he sold out or would of you, course. Are you, would you say you're happy for him as, an, as a fan of your music? Happy for him doing what? The, or would you say, <laughs> What, making money? <laughs> no, 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 but like happy for a success or would you say it's come at a cost, a huge cost? Um, look, I feel that like different people, different paths. Yeah. And it's not, like there are people out there doing some music which are like, you know what, why would you do that, man? In my mind, yeah. like, because you have the power to do so much other, but you know what, Ed, just using him as an example, yeah, it's like fair play, go do your thing. Just like, you know, try and keep some of them really off-key spheres outside of away from the ears of my loved ones because yeah. some of that yeah. madness is yeah. like yo yeah you know and it's like some of the stuff that they that the music industry subliminally promotes to some of the young people yeah. growing up in terms of the dependence on the love and on the yeah. dinner all these fantasy kind of relationships and mm-hmm all about you know you know you know the little kids talking about what's the latest one about my body and your body and stuff like all this mad yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. It's, and it's like yo yeah. yo yeah. leave the poor children alone i think we should end on some advice you could give to all of the listeners um they're not necessarily young buddy musicians yeah. or a younger version just, yourself like, i think i just said it right yeah don't yeah compromise. true don't compromise, don't compromise. <laughs> no no Go on, advice you were saying for someone. Well, just like listeners. for someone who is trying to find their way in life. Yeah, um, first thing I would say actually is know when to compromise. Yeah. yeah? But don't ever compromise your art. Yeah. And if we're talking about music for, if we're talking about advice for musicians, I would say is even if you want to get in, stop speaking and writing songs about wanting to get in, mm-hmm. quote unquote, the music mm-hmm. industry. Because these songs about Let Me In The Door is, is so dead. Yeah. Like, so sick and tired of hearing it. And then, once you're in the door, singing songs about the women inside, like, leave it all alone. Yeah. Please just make songs from your heart. Try and, at some point, do something that you can leave a legacy and be proud of. Because when you are older, and when you do have children, and you can look back on the things that you're doing, just make sure it's something you can be proud of. Well, Natty, thank you so much, mate. I think we're going to get some music from you now. Um, but yeah. it's been an absolute honour talking to you and finding out more about, you know, your story and everything and your thoughts. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been a long thank time so since much. I've had such an in-depth... Yeah, yeah it's I'm cool, man. It's nice that it's... Like this in a long time. Yeah. yeah. It is, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's been enjoyable. That's cool, thank man. Thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Cool. Thank you. Sirens be blazing 
we blaze all night Rude boys on the roadside We stay alive There's music in the air People on a high You can see it in the faces now Watch them smile, smile, smile. Hold me tight We're going out marching And we'll dance all night Till the sun comes up I won't let your spirits down Till the sun comes up on our hometown Till the sun comes up we're all vibration our energy holding us together now in harmony Some people fight to survive Some people fight to survive Some people they can't even try So tonight I celebrate why Cause I'm alive Some people fight to survive So I'm gonna celebrate my life Tonight I dance till I see the day Cause I'm alive